Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Welcome to this week's edition of Alaska Watch. So we are fully entrenched into the month of October here. And that can only mean one thing here at the Alaska Watch podcast. We're going to start our celebration of Halloween. Uh, we're going to be tackling some uh, spooky stuff, some weird stuff. We're going to branch out a little bit uh, from the topic of uh, Bigfoot and hairy hominids and go into some other things. And, you know, I, I was trying to come up with a clever name. To call our little Halloween block of episodes here, and I couldn't really think anything clever. And the best I could come up with was Alaskary, because <laughs> it's Alaska and it's scary, so Alaskary. Um, yeah, I know. I don't turn. Please, please don't hit stop. <laughs> so um, anyway, this uh, this first episode here, the one I'm doing today, it was kind of inspired by a comment that got left on one of my videos. And uh, it was actually, it's kind of funny, it was actually a comment that was, it was made by somebody that obviously didn't listen or watch the video. Um, it was about last week's episode uh, where I did a review of the show, The Alaska Triangle, which is about strange and unusual phenomenon in the state of Alaska. And I did a couple of reviews of the couple of episodes that I'd watched of the current season, season two. And someone had made a comment on the uh, the video about how well they call it the Alaska Triangle because you know they say people go missing but it encompasses the largest cities and they don't like count the people that they find and I mean that's I mean it's not inaccurate but that has nothing to do with the video so I, I kind of feel like the person made the comment and didn't watch or listen to the podcast because it wasn't I mean I was talking about the show named after the Alaska Triangle not the actual Alaska Triangle. So, uh, you know, before you <clears throat> read or comment on a, before you comment or on a, on a video or an article, maybe you should read it first. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, it's just, uh, it's embarrassing for everyone. So please do better. Uh, so anyway, I also want to point out, uh, you've got a limited amount of time to get over to Manscaped and use our special code, the code BEANS, B-E-A-N-S, for 20% off and free shipping. So don't forget to head over there and hit them up. Get yourself something nice. Get your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever something nice. They've got some nice products and uh, help support the show. And I believe that promotion ends here uh, sometime next week or maybe the week after. I'll have to look. But I'm sure they'll probably keep the code active uh, after that. But uh, I only get credit for it if you use it. For a certain amount of time so please uh, if you could if you need some uh, some hy- hygiene products head over to manscape and uh, do some shopping for yourself and uh, also don't forget we've got the alaska watch podcast store over at the alaskawatchpodcast.com we've got some cool stuff over there you can get signed copies of my books and some other uh, cool alaska themed things as well as alaska watch 
podcast shot glasses and stickers and magnets and all kinds of neat stuff. So head on over there if you want to uh, pick up a couple of stickers or magnets. Maybe you can um, give some out to some uh, special little trick-or-treaters that are going to be headed your way that are fond of Bigfoot or Alaska or both. And also, you know, Christmas is coming up, so it would be a good time to get some Christmas shopping done. Get it done early because apparently the post office has decided to not only raise their prices, but they are taking longer to deliver things. I just, um, this is, I'm I'm going off on a tangent that's unrelated to anything really, but I dropped off a couple of packages um, the other day that were priority mail. And usually priority mail is delivered within three days. And uh, I tracked them today and they're not being delivered. It's going to take about seven days to deliver them. And I thought, man, that's just, that kind of, that kind of sucks. So be aware of that guys, you know, PSA, if, if you're going to, if you want something to get where it's supposed to go, take that into account. They're moving, they're moving a little slower than they used to. So anyway, back to the task at hand here, which is the Alaska Watch podcast. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, missing persons in Alaska. And anytime you get into talking about Alaska and cryptids or strange events, uh, it seems like the, the, the subject of missing people always comes up. And it's always like one of the main things people want to throw down. Uh, those of you that remember the movie, uh, in, what was it, The Fifth Kind? With, uh, or was it The Fourth Kind? The Fourth Kind with uh, Mila Jovovich. Uh, it was supposed to be set in Nome in Alaska, and it was based on some uh, real-life disappearances that occurred, I believe, back in the 70s. And <clears throat> the explanation in the movie was that people were being abducted by aliens. And I don't I don't necessarily believe that was the case. Uh, I'm not saying that alien abduction does not happen. I'm just saying I don't think that was necessarily what was going on there. Uh, I think people tend to take mysterious disappearances and I mean, because I mean, by their very nature, they're mysterious, they're mysterious disappearances. They like to add, uh, they like to embellish on them and they like to make them more than they are. And I think that people, especially people that don't live here, uh, they don't quite grasp the vastness that is Alaska and just how easy it is to go missing. And, you know, I've, I've been lost before, but I've never really been lost in Alaska. Like I, I think I might even said somewhere like you're not lost until you're Alaska lost. And cause in most places, now granted there are exceptions in, in the lower 48, but in most places, if you're lost, if you walk long enough, you're eventually going to run into a river, a road or some kind of civilization. And that's not the case up here. Uh, there are places where you could be dropped off and walk for the rest of your life and never see another human being. And that, uh, it, it can be pretty intimidating. And there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they come to Alaska and they're like, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go out in the woods and go fishing or hunting, or I'm going to go do this or do that. And then they get out there and they're like, what the hell? There's no cell service. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, it can, it can even like, even just, I mean, just for example, on our recent trip, uh, up the Dalton highway to Prudhoe Bay, uh, I could tell 
Stephen was a little taken aback by some of the accommodations. Uh, he was just like, what the hell is, you know, the rooms were small. The, the buildings weren't very, um, I mean, they were basically like connexes, you know, that were uh, Frankenstein together to make buildings. And, you know, I could kind of tell he was a little surprised by that. And I'm like, well, what do you expect? You know, we're way up in the, we're above the Arctic Circle. This, you know, it's, it's, this place isn't, doesn't necessarily lend itself to uh, quality construction and it's expensive to get any kind of decent materials up here. So they're going to do what they can do, you know, to cut costs and stuff that's going to make it through the harsh winters. So it was a little bit of a, of a shock. And I, I see that and people, you know, if you come to Alaska and you, you go to some of the cities like Anchorage or Kenai or Soldatna or even Homer, I mean, it's great and it's amazing, but I kind of personally, I feel like you haven't really experienced like real Alaska until you've gone out to a village or in the bush somewhere where you can't just, you know, call and order a pizza or you can't, you know, go out and go to eat in a restaurant. Uh, one of the first places I worked in law enforcement uh, was St. Paul Island and there was no restaurants, no food services, no movie theaters. Uh, there was a store, two stores, I guess, if you count the liquor store, but there was a store and a post office and a clinic. And that was about it as far as commercial establishments go. <laughs> um, occasionally, <clears throat> you could go to the the fish processing plant, the Trident factory, and I guess eat in their cafeteria, although I never did. Um, but I heard the food was pretty good sometimes. But I digress. Uh, that's just kind of my opinion on the subject. Like, until you get out of civilization, you're never going to really truly experience Alaska to where you have to be ready to fend for yourself basically like if something happens and i can't get out of here or i can't uh, get services am i going to be able to make it and you know some of the people that i think we're going to talk about today uh, probably fall into that category where they went out uh, into the wilds and they were maybe a little out of their depth and you know i'm not I'm not doing this to uh, make fun of them or to make a lot of their situation or to even, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about missing people, they're like, oh, you know, it's to create awareness. It's to create awareness. And I mean, I, I kind of understand that. I understand that a lot with like children that have been abducted, people that uh, have been kidnapped or taken. But, you know, when you're talking about somebody that's lost in the wilderness of Alaska, I mean, if you're in Alaska and you're walking through the woods and you come upon remains of someone, I mean, do you really need to be aware that there's a missing person in there? <laughs> yeah. You're going to report that hopefully no matter what. So, um, anyway, we're going to get into it and I kind of wanted to talk about just the, the, the myth, maybe a little bit, the, the, the majesty and the myth of the missing people in Alaska. And if I'm not mistaken on the opening credits of the Alaska triangle show, they talk about how 16,000 people have gone missing in Alaska in the last, I don't know how many years they, they talk about 10 years, something like that, 20 years. And I'm not quite sure how they get that number. Uh, if you go to the department of public safety's missing persons website, um, I'm not gonna, I can't read you the, the URL. It's too long. Basically, if you just 
go to the Alaska Department of Public Safety or just go to Google, type in Alaska Missing People. It'll get you there. Uh, this is the main uh, active, persons, per, miss, active Missing Persons Bulletins. And uh, I went through <clears throat> and I counted and there's 140 people on this list. And then I did a quick, I did some, actually that's a lie. I didn't do it. Siri did it for me. I did some, um, some calculating and that is, uh, the 140 people on this list, uh, is very far below 1% of the population of the state. So, I mean, it's just not to get too political or topical about it, but you're probably more likely to die from COVID here than you are to go missing. And I'm not, I'm don't take that the wrong way. It's just, I think that it probably given these stats that I'm telling you, that's probably the truth. And I'm not sure how they group these. Like, I don't know, as far as I know, they keep these on here. I, I think for forever, uh, there's some on here that are pretty old, some from the seventies and possibly even before that, uh, there is a, famous one on here. <clears throat> They've actually, um, she's on here twice, but I only counted her once. Uh, they call her Eklutna Annie cause she was found, um, near Eklutna falls. And they believe she was a victim of Robert Hansen. If any of you guys have read the book, butcher Baker or seen the movie, uh, I think it's frozen ground. It's got Nicholas cage and oh, uh, John Cusack in it. Uh, you know, he was a serial killer that was operating up here. And they believe he, she was one of his, uh, victims. He liked to take women, I think prostitutes out into the woods and hunt them. And they believe she might've been one of his victims and they don't know who she is. She hasn't been identified. So there's like an artist, uh, composition rendering of what, uh, she might've looked like. And then there's one that they just did last year that actually is a little bit more, I, I guess they used, uh, better technology to get a rendering. So, She's still unidentified. Uh, if you go and click on her picture, uh, it'll take you and tell you a little bit about the case. And there's some items that were found with her that they've um, photographed and placed into the, the information. So maybe somebody might identify her. I think one of them's a necklace and maybe a, a bracelet or something. So you might be able to um, go on there, take a look at those. If you knew somebody that went missing in Alaska around that time. So anyway, I kind of wanted to do uh, like some profiles here of some of these cases. And just going on to the uh, DPS missing person website, uh, there's actually, I mean, there's not a lot of informa information on some of these. Some of the newer cases, uh, there's a little bit more information on. Uh, but some of them are basically just the person's name, the last time they were seen, sometimes they tell you where they were last seen. Sometimes not even that. So there's not a lot of uh, depth in the, some of these, especially some of the older ones. Uh, it's more kind of like the, just a flyer for them to put up and say, hey, you know, be on the lookout for this person. We can't find them. Others have a little bit more information, uh, a little bit more context. And I tried to avoid... I tried to avoid people that had obviously like gone missing from boating accidents or aircraft accidents, stuff like that. Uh, I kind of tried to keep it 
confined to people who had died, or I'm sorry, not died, went missing um, under kind of mysterious circumstances, almost almost like missing 411 uh, type cases. And I mean, it, it wasn't super hard to find a few, but I was kind of surprised at how little information there was on some of these missing people. Um, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of context given with some of them. And I kind of feel, I mean, maybe it's just the investigator in me, but I kind of feel like some of these cases might benefit from a little bit more context as far as where the people went missing, what were the circumstances, what were they doing. Um, I also, I didn't include anybody that had gone missing in a metropolitan area, like a city like Anchorage. You know, if, if a person goes missing in a metropolitan area, in my opinion, it's more than likely it's file play or something like that. So anyway, I kind of went through here and uh, picked out a couple that I thought were kind of interesting and maybe had a little uh, relevance to some stuff that we've talked about here before. And uh, I'll get into that. And I don't know if I'm going to do every single one of these, uh, but I will definitely uh, hit the high notes here and talk about some of these. And we will just... Uh, get into it. So let me start pulling some of these names up here and I'll tell you about uh, some of the people that have gone missing in Alaska and some of the circumstances around that. So this one, this first one that I'm going to go over here, uh, this gentleman's name is Dervish Adili. And this is an interesting one because it says he's an endangered missing person, which in my mind, when somebody, when it says they're endangered, it means either they have some kind of medical condition that, you know, maybe they have diabetes or uh, some kind of other medical condition that they need, you know, they need medication to keep in check, or they have some kind of uh, mental uh, issue or problem that makes them, maybe it's harder for them to uh, self-rescue or take care of themselves than it would say, a person that wasn't um, afflicted with the same thing. So this one's interesting because uh, Mr. Adili's wallet, checkbook, and various camping supplies were found at a campsite off the Taylor Highway in June of 2000. So the wallet had his driver's license, uh, an Illinois identification card, and receipt that showed a small purchase of food in Toke, Alaska. And... Apparently, that receipt was dated 1992. So, keep in mind, this stuff was found in 2000. Uh, in October in 2006, a relative contacted Alaska State Trooper reporting that Dervish Adili was still missing. So, they found his belongings in 2000, and I guess he wasn't listed as a missing person until 2006. And I know that because the case number they reference here uh, on the flyer has a 2000, has a 06 is how it begins. And that usually means that's the year the case file was open. And uh, this is interesting because, I mean, they found his stuff at a campsite. And it's kind of like he just wandered off from his campsite or was taken out of his campsite and, and disappeared. And that's pretty strange. Uh, it doesn't, again, there's not a lot of details as whether was there a vehicle at the campsite even you know was there tire tracks at the tire at the campsite or anything like that you know might be a little bit helpful uh, i'm sure the troopers probably have that information they just don't 
release all of that out to the public. Uh, basically, they're just like, hey, just be aware this guy's missing and you need to keep an eye out for him. But uh, that was kind of the first one I come across that I thought was kind of interesting, especially since they found his belongings at the campsite. And then like six years later, a relative calls and says, hey, we still haven't heard from him. This next one comes to us from the Nome area. This gentleman is uh, Joseph Balderas. Uh, he was 36 years old when he went missing. It says he was reported missing in Nome in 2016 after failing to report for work. His vehicle was located at mile 44 of the Nome Council Highway where he was believed to be hiking. Uh, his clothing description is unknown. So guy didn't show up for work. I guess they called, contacted the police or the troopers and uh, they haven't been able to find him. And, you know, I wonder, I hear about these and I just kind of wonder like, well, what did they do? You know, what steps did they take to look for him? You know, did they uh, get a dog and try and track him from his vehicle, etc.? cetera? Uh, it's kind of interesting hearing about some of these cases. And, you know, I don't, it doesn't say if he's, if he's a, a Alaska native or not. And by Alaska native, I don't necessarily mean a native. I mean, if he was born and raised here. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting case because there's just literally, they find his car and that's it. They don't know. It says that he was believed to be hiking, so they don't even know if he was hiking. So, uh, you know, if you guys are going out into the woods, people, tell somebody where you're going. You know, tell, tell your neighbor, your boss, your kids, somebody. Let them know where you're going and when you expect to be back. Um it's not good to, to go out like that, even if it's just on a quick hike, just a couple of miles. Uh, you should tell somebody where you're going and how long you ex you're going to be gone. Uh, even, you know, like, for example, when we were in Area A, I uh, went on that little walk by myself, and uh, I told one of the guys at the, at the cabin there, I said, hey, I'm going, you know, I'm going for a walk. If I'm not back in two hours, come looking for me. And, uh, you know, just I, I was literally just going up the hill. I didn't expect to be gone two hours, but I figured that, uh, it would take me a little time to get up the hill. So I gave myself a little extra time, but not much. And, uh, of course I made it back in time and everything was all right, but yeah, you got to tell people where you're going or at least tell them, you know, what about where you're going. Maybe you might not even know, maybe you might like, Oh, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to find a trail to hike. At least tell somebody, Hey, I'm going to go in this general direction and find a trail. And, uh, that, that being said, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I was um, telling somebody one time about going out and, and going hiking and stuff like that. And they kind of, they're like, well, you know, isn't that dangerous? I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I've, I take as many precautions as I can. I tell somebody where I'm going. I take my in-reach. Um, but I've found, especially in some areas where there's a lot of heavy canopy cover, that that in-reach doesn't always work um, flawlessly. So I've had, I've had a couple of problems in some dense forested areas getting a signal. Uh, luckily I wasn't in any trouble. I just was trying to, you know, send a message that was okay. But, uh, there's been a couple of times where I've pulled that in reach out and been like, man, I don't think this, I don't think this, uh, this message that I'm, this like three or four word text message is going to go through. So, um, it always helps to, you know, have a little, a backup plan and a backup plan. This next one is a gentleman by the name of Bradford Broach. He was 46 years old. It says he was last seen 
in August of 2016 at the Alyeska Resort Hotel in Girdwood. Uh, he's headed out for a creek on the Winter Creek Trailhead near the base of the tram between 7.30 and 9 p.m. Uh, his belongings and rental car were located in the hotel parking lot. Uh, his family in Texas has expressed concerns since he missed his flight out of Alaska. <clears throat> these are the ones, the ones like this, that really bum me out. Because these are the people that come here to Alaska. You know, they're going to experience Alaska. They're going to have a good time. You know, they're here on vacation and then they never leave. And that's pretty depressing to me. Uh, this guy, you know, he was just here to enjoy himself. You know, he was at the Alaska Resort Hotel. It's a good hotel. Pretty fancy place. Uh, great ski resort from what I understand, but I don't ski. And um, the Winter Creek Trail, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, there is another trail in this area that we're going to talk about here a little bit later. But, uh, you know, it's a big red flag that his rental car and all that stuff was found in the parking lot. And again, I, I'm kind of curious as to what steps was taken to find him. You know, did they use a dog? Did they use a helicopter with a fleer? Like, what, what did they do? And how long did it take them to search? Because, you know, I know working uh, in law enforcement, I was privy to a lot of the radio traffic that uh, Alaska State Troopers in my area would uh, would have. And there was more than a couple of times when I would hear them say, uh, oh, hey, we got a we got a message from a distress signal from somebody's inReach or something. They're stuck, you know, on this mountain or they're stuck in this place. You know, one of them broke their leg or has a rolled ankle or something. And it's, it, you know, and this stuff never comes in in the middle of the day. It always comes in toward the evening because I think what it is is people start to realize, oh shit, it's getting dark or, oh, it's getting you know late. We need help. And then they ask for help. And more than a couple of times, like I was saying, I've heard the troopers be like, well, tell them to hunker down. We'll get to them in the morning. It's too late to, to go out there now. <laughs> so... I just, you know, sometimes I wonder about the timeline of some of these events. Like maybe if they hadn't have acted right away, uh, maybe, you know, things might have turned out a little bit different. Obviously, this guy, I mean, who knows when he was called in missing and, you know, what was done about it when they got the call. Um, it's just, uh, it, it's interesting. It's it's kind of interesting how these things play out. And, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I'm sure... A lot of times, I mean, I've, I've received missing person calls myself and like 99% of the time the person just shows up, you know, they're like, Oh no, I, you know, I, w I went to the store to get something and had a flat tire or I went and my cell phone wouldn't work or I was here and my cell phone died or, you know, we decided to spend another night wherever we were and that's just how it plays out. And I'm sure like I said, that happened like it happens like 99% of the time with missing person cases that I personally was involved in. And that 1%, that 1% of time when the person isn't found, you know, that's when you're like, Oh God, you know, I wonder if we could have done something different. And it's, it, it makes me wonder, you know, did, did somebody get that call? And they're like, Oh, you know, he just, he'll be back. You know, he's just taking a long time to, to do the trail or whatever. He'll, he'll, he'll show up soon. And then he never does. And it makes, it makes me wonder, uh, on the timeline of some of these, these missing person cases. And this next one I want to go over, it's uh, a female 
It's a Sharon Buse, B-U-I-S. Uh, she was 48 years old, and she is missing from the Juneau area. Uh, she was believed to be hiking on Mount Roberts. Uh, her clothing description is unknown. Her vehicle was found at the parking lot at the Mount Roberts Trailhead on Basin Road. And I did a little bit more digging into this one because this one, it seemed like it was a little bit more, I don't know, it was kind of mysterious. So I thought, well, maybe I can find some more information. That was, like I said, literally what I just wrote, read to you, other than the contact information for the law enforcement uh, agencies, that's literally all the context on the missing uh, person flyer that's on the DPS website. So I did a little bit more digging into it. And uh, I read some of the news articles that were attached to it. And I found out that uh, they don't really know how long she was missing. Uh, apparently she had a, a date. And I'm not, I don't mean like a romantic date. She had a, she had plans. She had plans uh, with a hiking partner to go hike uh, at, a, at another place and she didn't show up. And then when she didn't show up, her hiking partner got worried, uh, went looking for, her, found her car at this Mount Roberts trailhead or parking lot. <clears throat> and called in and said, Hey, I think she's missing. Uh, I do know they did do uh, a pretty extensive search of the area. Didn't find her. And then a few days or weeks later, there was a gentleman, I believe that was, uh, he was a minor. I think that had some experience. Uh, there's some, I guess there's some ab abandoned mine shafts and stuff in the area. And he was up there uh, doing his own search for, uh, he reported that he had uh, found some bear activity and then like come up on a foul stench. And I guess he backed out of the area, went and uh, told the troopers, and they went in uh, loaded for bear, I guess, uh, trying to find where this odor was coming from, and they couldn't find it again. So uh, interesting case there. Uh, you know, she may have succumbed to a bear attack. Uh, maybe she got hurt and the just was in a place where they couldn't find her. Uh, interesting. But uh, one thing I wanted to touch in on this one, you know, cause she was, you know, avid hiker. She was out hiking. Uh, her friend that her hiking partner said, well, you know, she has a, a in reach or a, some kind of satellite, you know, device and they uh, found it at her house. So <laughs> she didn't take it with her that day. She probably just thought, Hey, you know, I'll just go out and do a quick, you know, mile hike, couple mile hike. And, yeah, didn't take her, her device with her. So, you know, be be vigilant, people. Uh, you know, maybe it, at least if you don't even, if you don't have your device with you, let somebody know where you're going. And also, you know, in this vein, I am a member of a Facebook group. It's a hiking, Alaska hiking group on Facebook. And I am very surprised at the amount of, I mean, <clears throat> how do I put this lightly? I, I I don't understand how this hiking group isn't like a, a freaking it's like a chum bucket for for serial killers because I'm always seeing during the summer and hiking season I'm always seeing women like hey who wants to go hike this place with me or who wants to go hike that place with me and I mean even so let's say you're a predator and you want to take advantage of one of these women I mean, okay, maybe you might say, hey, I'll go with you. And she might be like, no, you know, like I'm, I want another female to go with me or I want, you know, I'm looking for somebody else to go with me. Maybe she gets that vibe that you're creepy. 
Uh, but I mean, you still know that she's planning on hiking that trail tomorrow or Saturday or whatever day she was looking. So it just seems, it seems like a really bad idea to me. <laughs> it just seems like it would be a place that it, it could be used for, it could be used for the dark side of the force. I'm just saying that. And, um, I, there's been a couple of times where I've almost commented like, Hey, quit telling people what your plans are and quit freaking hiking with complete strangers. Cause you never know which one of them is going to be, you know, the next freaking guy on uh, criminal minds or something. It just, yeah, it really, uh, maybe it's just a cop in me. I don't know. It really bugs me. So, all right guys, it's uh, time to pay some bills. So I'm going to take a little break and we're going to hear from our sponsors and then when I come back, I'm going to hit you uh, with a really interesting missing person case that uh, it has a little uh, bit of a, a strange twist in it. So uh, let's uh, hear a little bit of that Manscaped uh, ad and then uh, we'll get right back to it. Support for the Last Watch podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, Alaska Watch listeners 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BEANS, B E A N S, at manscaped.com. So, guys, I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0. Blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details of the 4.0 are next level. They've engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. And did I mention the wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Guys, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. Nobody wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped and make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BEANS, B-E-A-N-S at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Hope uh, you out there. I hope you're uh, just uh, getting off your computer from ordering your Manscaped stuff. So this uh, next one, I promise you, there was something a little, a little weird about, it, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a, a twist to it. And this one, this gentleman, his name is Nathan Campbell. Uh, he's 41 years old, and I'm just going to read you the information here on the missing person bulletin. Nathan Campbell was last known to be in Denali National Park and Preserve, northwest of the park in the vicinity of Cary Lake, on June 13, 2020. He was supposed to arrange for an early return flight or be picked up on September 15, 2020, but he hasn't been heard from. His clothing description and direction of travel are both unknown. And then it goes on to say, anyone with information, please contact uh, Denali National Park 
uh, and preserve or Alaska State Troopers. And this one was interesting because he went missing nearer in the park. And I just literally read you everything that's on the Missy Person Bulletin. So I thought, I'm going to do a little bit more information. I'm, I'm going to dig in. A, bleh, I'm getting tongue-tied. I'll take a break and see what happens. I'm going to uh, dig up a little bit more information on this. So I kind of Google the name and Missing in Alaska, and I get this article. And this is a, this is an interesting article. It was published in October 2020. Uh, it's on the website Craig Med Red News. I guess he's this is like a blog or something. Uh, it's titled Deadly Attraction? Question mark. So I'm going to read you some snippets of this article. Uh, it says a small single engine float plane delivered 40 year old Nathan Campbell deep into the, some of the wildest country in the heart of Alaska in May. He confessed to the pilot on the way that he was on the quest to find the lost pyramid of Alaska. No one has seen Campbell since when national park service officials were finally notified he was missing in mid September. They launched a search in a remote Northwest County corner of Denali national park and preserve. They found supplies Campbell had catched at Cary Lake where the float plane dropped him and some miles away a collapsed tent In the tent was a tattered diary that appeared to have been chewed on by rodents. The diary provided little in the way of clues as to what had happened to the man who called Wasilla home. It generally recorded the average day-to-day chores of life in camp. The last entry in the journal recorded that Campbell left his tent to get water. And then they have the uh, missing person bulletin here. And uh, sadly and unfortunately for Campbell's friends and family, uh, Joe Stodd, who is, let's see, I kind of skipped over that part. He's the uh, chief ranger for Denali. Uh, he said the adventurer died somewhere out there in the Alaska vastness and his body is now buried beneath snow blanketing and the dense tangles of alder thickets that make for hiking hell in and near Cary Lake. <clears throat> so this gentleman was out looking for the, uh, the pyramid that's said to be up there near Denali. And if you remember in my review of the uh, season two of Alaska triangle, I believe it was the first episode is about it. And, you know, I was a little disappointed in the episode because they literally just like flew around the area and was like, Oh, we don't see it. And let, you know, they didn't do, they didn't get on the ground and look for it at all. And one of the things that surprises me about this is how, like he wasn't listed missing. He went there in June. He wasn't listed as missing until October. And it says that he had, I guess, a inreach device that he was contact. He was talking to his spouse or family member with. And you would think that after they hadn't heard from him for a while, they would, they would have somebody go check on him. And I guess, uh, at one point, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the whole, uh, article here but i guess at one point maybe they did somebody did ask for him to go be uh, checked on and the guy told somebody to do it and i guess they didn't do it and he didn't follow up on it i don't know it sounds it's kind of weird but uh, yeah so this gentleman uh went missing looking for the alaska pyramid and they don't have any idea what happened to him they found remnants of his camp uh, but not him 
And, you know, they, one thing they don't mention, they talk about his little uh, diary or his little uh, journal he was keeping. They don't mention what the date of the last entry was, which I think is interesting. So, I mean, it sounds like he had been there long enough to set up camp some miles away from the lake and make several entries into the diary. And, you know, I, I'd be curious to see what was uh, in his diary. Uh, I imagine he probably uh, ran afoul of a bear or something, but I mean, you just never know. I mean, it's, it's so weird that um, there's just so little information put out about some of these, some of these cases. It gets pretty frustrating. So that's a, that's interesting. But, but the next one I'm going to talk about, this way it's a little close to home for me. Uh, This is a gentleman by the name of Michael Crawford. Uh, He was reported missing on, uh, April 23rd, 2020. And this one, he was uh, camping near Skelac Lake, uh, which is a area that I frequent quite a bit. And uh, I guess he, he last, he texted somebody on the 22nd and they located his backpack, fishing rod and dog uh, at the edge of Skelac Lake down Hidden Creek Trail where the Kenai River flows in the Skelac Lake. And I actually, somewhere in my videos on the Alaskawatch YouTube page, I have a video of me hiking on uh, Hidden Lake Trail. So anyway, he went missing. And this is uh, the day that um, you guys have heard me talk about before I ended up uh, knocking a hole in my radiator. Um, This is actually where I was trying to get to that day. I was trying to get out there. And so the day he went missing uh, was the day that I was trying to to head out there. And I ended up uh, hitting a really huge, it was during a breakup. And I hit a really huge uh, pothole that was really mucky and, and, and muddy. And uh, I ended up uh, hitting my radiator. And anyway, I ended up wrecking my truck pretty much. So, um, yeah, that was the day that he went missing. And I always... I, kind of wonder like well man what would have happened if i'd have like been around that day but uh we'll never know and uh that's interesting i personally i kind of think he was fishing uh on the ice and probably fell in the lake uh but like i said i think in my video where i'm hiking that trail there's actually uh looks like some bear bear tracks in the snow there so that's a that every time i've walked on that trail i've either seen a bear or heard a bear so it's a it's a pretty bear rich environment there so you never know and contrary to popular belief, you know, when winter comes, it's not like somebody throws a switch and the bears get turned off. They they do get up and move around a little bit in the wintertime. So I know they did uh, search for him quite a bit, and they never found any indications that there was a bear attack. So who knows? All right, so this next one is probably the most recent on uh, the missing persons list here. And I've kind of been following this a little bit in the news uh, this gentleman's name is Gary Fisk, and uh, this bulletin was issued on the 1st of October of this year, so just like six days ago uh, from the recording of this. So he's been, I think he's been missing, uh, yeah, he's been missing since September 21st. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read you the, uh, the information here on the missing person bulletin. Uh, Gary Fisk has been missing since... September 21st, 2021, when he left to start hiking on Crow Pass Trail in Girdwood. He was planning to arrive at the Eagle River Nature Center two days later, but never arrived. 
Several searches of the area have been unsuccessful in locating him. Gary was wearing a red synthetic material shirt, OD greenish beige hiking pants, and ankle high hikers. Ankle high hikers. He took uh, the blue jacket in the above photo, a rain shell that may possibly be red, black rain pants, which may or may not have on, and a sleeping bag and a small unknown color backpack. So one of the interesting things about this is uh, the Crow Pass Trail. Is It's a trail that I've always wanted to do, but it's one of those where it's like 20 miles long, 21 miles long, something like that. And there's a huge change in elevation. It goes from like almost zero to like 3,000 feet. It's supposed to be just spectacular as far as the views. Uh, there's supposed to be a lot of... Um, great scenery i think there's some waterfalls and some rock fields and just all kinds of um, environment and i've always wanted to do the trail but I've, you know it's one of those where you got to have somebody like ready to pick you up on the other side and it's just you know never worked out i thought maybe i might try and do it next year uh, but i kind of like somebody to go with me uh, so <laughs> Anybody, any of you guys that are not serial killers that want to go hike it with me, <laughs> but, um, anyway, uh, I just actually this morning saw a post in one of the hiking groups that I'm in where somebody would, um, they were on crow pass trail last night, I guess. And it got the conditions up there getting really bad, uh, up high on the mountain. And I guess they barely made it out. Like they had a hard time keeping, uh, their eye on the trail because of all the snow and they got they got in a bad situation luckily they were able to get themselves out but um yeah it's i guess it's the season the trail is closed for the seers if it's not closed it should be for the season and another interesting thing about this uh this missing persons case so i don't know maybe some of you guys caught it but this trail i guess it starts in girdwood and it goes to the eagle river nature center so if you guys remember, if you're a regular listener to the Last Watch podcast, you'll remember a couple of episodes ago and the episode uh, where the former Army Ranger gives his sighting account, he talks about having an encounter here in Alaska and his sighting uh, occurred at the Eagle River Nature Center on a trail there. So that that's interesting. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that Bigfoot makes people go missing or anything like that. But I'm just saying that, you know, you've got, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Mr. Fisk isn't the only person that's gone missing on that trail. And uh, it connects to that area. So, hey, you know, it's just uh, put that in your, in your toolbox and, and do what you will with it. But just keep that in mind. And, you know, he went by himself, which is not probably not a good idea. Uh, he's an older gentleman. Uh, he was 74, which you know, is not idea for somebody that old, probably to be out, you know, and it, it, it depends on the person, you know, there's some, probably some 80 year olds that are in better shape than I am. And it could kick my ass at hiking any day. And uh, I don't doubt it, but yeah. Um, you know, there's a few of those cases like the missing 411 cases that I, I hear about. And they're talking about like, yeah, this guy was like, you know, 82 years old and he went hunting and he never, they never found him. Like he was 82 years old. Why was he out in the woods by himself? <laughs> Like that's, that's not mysterious. That's just negligent. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, what are you going to do? That's my opinion. So anyway, let's see who else have we got here. 
let me take another look into my notes. All right, this next one, this gentleman's name is Donald Husson, H-U-S-S-E-N. And I'm going to, again, I'm just going to read you what's on the missing person bulletin. Donald Husson was last seen on August 2nd, 2019, around 2200 hours at his residence near mile 134 of the Elliott Highway in Manly Hot Springs. Donald's direction of travel and destination are unknown. A game camera in the area captured photos of Donald shortly before he was reported missing. On August 3rd, 2019, oh, that's when the pictures were caught, taken. Based on the game camera photos, David or Donald was wearing a dark baseball cap, camouflage outer jacket with a dark hooded jacket underneath the dark pants. Uh, search and rescue efforts in Manly Hot Springs are ongoing. Uh, and that was issued August 8th, 2019. And the reason I bring this one up is just because... If you again, if you're a regular listener to the show and you pay attention, uh, there was a gentleman on uh, Ryan a few episodes. Actually, there's been two Ryans on, so I think it would be the first Ryan uh, that had a roadside crossing encounter not far from Manly Hot Springs. So again, you know, I'm not saying that Bigfoot makes people disappear is responsible, but again, it's it's interesting. I mean, you gotta you gotta wonder what what's going on there. So, uh, anyway, I think we're going to do one more here. I've got so many to, to choose from here. And I, I, like I said, I only went through and picked ones that were kind of on the mysterious side. I didn't go through and pick any that were in boats that overturned or anything like that. And interestingly enough, on the top of the active missing person bulletins page, uh, it says, if a person went missing due to a tragic incident, such as a boat sinking, plane crashing, or perhaps avalanche, a bulletin likely would not be generated. Yet there are several in here that are exactly that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. I don't know why they, they put that disclaimer in there, but yet they obviously don't abide by it because there was multiple, multiple ones in there that uh, I saw that were on boats that had overturned or uh, were fishing and they would find like a jacket or something floating in the water. So anyway, uh, let me take a look here and get our next one going. So this next one, it's probably out of all of them that I've just read you. This one is probably the most head scratching of all. This is the one that just makes you go, what the hell? Like where in the hell did this guy go? Uh, this is a gentleman named Michael Paul Lamatre. L-E-M-A-I-T-R-E. I'm probably butchering that name. Lamare, maybe. <clears throat> and he went missing in uh, July 2012. And I'm going to read you the missing person bulletin here. And then uh, I'll give you some more information. All right. So Michael Lamare. I'm going to say Lamare. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. Michael Lamare was last seen on July 4th, 2012 in the Mount Marathon race in Seward. He was wearing black shorts and a black shirt. And that's literally everything that's on the missing person bulletin. So, what's interesting about this one is, oh, my dogs are, they just got back and they're drinking water. All right. I was trying to record this before they got home, but uh, I did not get done in time. So, you may hear them snoring and, making noise in the background so anyway to get back on it uh seward the the mount marathon race 
Mount Marathon, it's a mountain in Seward. And it's kind of like, you can see it in the, I mean, it's in the city. It's not like a couple of miles outside of town or whatever. Like it's right there. And there's not too many places you can go in town and not be able to see it. And it's about a three mile race. It goes up the mountain. Uh, It goes, you know, in three, in three miles, you, you gain like 3000 feet in elevation and uh, it's pretty hardcore. I think the record for it, like the fastest time is like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. And literally, you know, when you start out, you're running uphill, you know, I've seen pictures of people doing it. They're like crawling on their hands and knees. And then on your way down, you're literally like almost falling down the mountain. There's places where you got to like set down and, or skid down on your knees. It's, it's pretty hardcore. Like it's a, it's not for the faint of heart or those that are not in very good shape. Uh, but apparently, uh, Mr. Uh, Michael here, I'm going to say, call him Michael cause I can't pronounce his last name for crap. Uh, Michael here was, he was a runner. He was in good shape. Uh, he wasn't exactly, um, you know, a marathon runner, but he, he was 65 and, uh, apparently you have to put in, I didn't know this until I started reading into this, <clears throat> but you have to put in, I guess so many people want to do it that they do a lottery for it and you kind of put your name in the hat. And then if they draw your name, you get to participate. So, uh, they have it every 4th of July and they have the race and they have like a a men's division and a women's division. And I think they kind of stagger the times and they let the, the men and women go at different times. And anyway, uh, 2012 was a interesting year for the Mount Marathon race. And I'm going to read, um, this article, part, parts of this article here, it's, uh, comes from outsideonline.com and, uh, this article, I don't see a Katie Enders is the name of the uh, author here. Uh, on July 4th, 2012 runners gathered in Seward, Alaska for a three mile trail race up the mountain that looms 3000 feet over resurrection Bay. By the end of the day, two were in the hospital with serious injuries and one had vanished. What happened? So it says, while injuries aren't uncommon on Mount Marathon, three unusually serious accidents marred this year's event. Iraq war veteran and Black Hawk pilot, Penny Assman, Assman, that's her name, Assman, A-S-S-M-A-N, slid over a cliff, lacerating her liver and breaking several ribs. An Alaskan runner named Matthew Kinney fell at the same spot and suffered broken legs and brain damage. The most puzzling casualty, however, was 66-year-old Anchorage resident Michael Lemaire, who vanished without a trace on his way up the mountain. It's believed to be the first fatality in the race's history. The incident has left Seward struggling to understand how a runner could disappear on a course that's only a few miles long. Uh, We spoke... So, anyway, from what I gather, like I said, it's only three miles, but it's like three miles straight up. And from what I understand... Mr. Michael was in last place. He was bringing up the rear and one of the race volunteers, I guess they set up little stations along the way where people can like get a drink of water or uh, if they're hurt, they can, they can get medical attention or whatever. <clears throat> and from what I understand, uh, the gentleman that was at the top of the mountain, or I assume it was a gentleman. It might've been a woman. Uh, the one guy that was setting up the, at the little runner station at the top of the mountain, 
it was 6 p.m. Everybody had already basically come and, and turned around, all the runners. So he packed up his stuff and was heading down the mountain, and he ran into uh, Mr. Michael. And Mr. Michael said, hey, is it okay if I go ahead and finish the race? And the guy said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And he continued on his way. The volunteer continued on his way down the hill. And Michael, Mr. Michael kept running toward the, the summit. And they never saw him again. So there's a lot of speculation as to what happened to him. Uh, and I'm not reading an article anymore, by the way. I'm, I'm talking because <laughs> I just realized it, sound, it kind of sounds like I'm running or reading. <clears throat> so it kind of sounds like they think maybe he might have kept running. Uh, like he didn't quite know where to turn around and he just kept going and ended up like running off a cliff or something. I guess it was kind of foggy that day. I guess the weather wasn't that great. And obviously, I mean, and interesting, uh, interesting tidbit. I was working, uh, that day that this happened. And I remember, I remember when he went missing, I remember hearing the call go go out over the, the radio, the police radio. And I mean, they had people looking right away. It wasn't like, you know, they waited a couple hours or they waited a few days. Like basically when he didn't show up, when he should have showed up, people started looking for him and, you know, they're, they're going up the, the trail, they're calling his name. They're looking for him. They're, you know, they've got flashlights, even though I don't think it really gets dark in July, but they're, you know, shining lights down in the canyons and into dark areas and ravines and stuff. And they're just looking and looking and they don't find a trace of him. And it was just so bizarre. And I guess probably the most popular theory is that he didn't quite, he missed the turnaround point and he just kept going. And this is the most head scratching case uh, out of the ones that I think I've presented to you today. And he's still, he's still missing to this day. And I know people have gone up there looking for him, uh, since, since then. And they haven't found a trace of him. No, no clothing, nothing. So that's interesting. I mean, I don't know what to think about it. Uh, I mean, I guess he could, he could have, uh, succumbed to a bear attack or something. I, I more than likely, I think he probably fell, uh, into a ravine or something and, eventually probably got um, scavenged on until there was nothing for anybody to find. And that's pretty, that's pretty gruesome, but I mean, I don't, I can't really account for any other reason why they couldn't find him. And, you know, they talked to his daughter in one of these articles and I guess his daughter, um, you know, she, she came up here from wherever she lived in the lower 48 and uh, did quite a bit of searching for him herself. Uh, you know, people would go up with her and it sounds like the last time she went, you know, went looking for him, she went by herself and couldn't find anything. So it's a, it's a pretty heartbreaking story and it's just a damn mysterious disappearance. It's, it's pretty, um, head scratching as to what could happen to him. And I think there was three or 400 runners. So you've got, you know, there's hundreds of people in the area hundreds of people, you know, running up and down the mountain. You've got all the volunteers and <clears throat> yeah, just to, to disappear around all that activity and all that hubbub, it just boggles the mind. And from what I understand, I've never been up Mar- Mount Marathon. I've never been to the top, 
but I think the trail continues to go past where the turnaround point is and it gets into some pretty rough country, although I've never seen it myself, but that's kind of what I gleaned from reading some of the articles on it. So anyway, that is the strange case of uh, Michael Paul Lamare, Lamatri, a 65 year old gentleman that disappeared while running in a marathon up a mountain. And I think that's probably one of the most mysterious disappearances in Alaska that I can think of. And, you know, I remember when he went missing and hearing the radio traffic that day and just, you know, I think they even had, it might've even got a helicopter to look for him, but that might not have been until the next day. But I think they did have a a helicopter with FLIR capabilities looking. So, yeah. So there you have it, guys. That's my episode on missing people in Alaska. Uh, I'd like to do another one. If you enjoyed this one, uh, there's certainly uh, some more material out there for for me to uh, to do another show on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that uh, it would be a, a pretty interesting co- topic, and I was kind of inspired by the talk of the uh, Alaska Triangle, uh, not the TV show, but the actual Alaska Triangle. And you know, I think that it is it is hyped up a little bit. It is you know exacerbated quite a bit. But, I mean, people do go missing in Alaska mysteriously, and I can't offer an explanation for a lot of it. I think I think most of it is probably because of just the vastness of the area, and um, there's just so much ground to cover. There's a um, quote in one of the articles that I kind of wanted to, um, that I wanted to, close the show with and uh, this is an article it's on uh, alaskapublic.org and uh, it's an article called how did this anchorage runner go missing on a popular mountain race by uh, casey grove of alaska public media and uh, it's actually a fairly recent article it was just published uh, july 9th 2021 and uh, there's a quote here from somebody named i'm gonna butcher this name terry all boots T-H-E-R-I-A-U-L-T, boots. But uh, I'm going to read you this uh, this quote here. I think it's the same intrigue that makes people go missing in Alaska so fascinating for some people because it's just the vastness of wilderness. Michael Lamotri could have taken a, just a few wrong turns and then very quickly was in the thousands and thousands of impenetrable mountains, wilderness, and wilderness in the Kenai Mountains. I think the vastness and the proximity of that vastness to town and to thousands of people and spectators that you could be gone without a trace while there are hundreds of runners and thousands of spectators like a mile less than a mile away from you, like a mile less than a mile away from you, is just a reminder for Alaskans that the very thin line we have to live between our little patches of town and the kind of infinite wilderness and the dangers of that. I think that fascinates people. I know it's fascinating to me an overwhelming scale, the overwhelming scale and power of the wilderness and how close we live to it and how close we all tried that line. I think it means tread that line, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was a fitting quote to end the show with. So anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you would like to hear more. I would certainly like to make some more for you. And uh, if you like what you hear, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening so long. Um, And be sure, if you want to support us, head over to manscaped.com. Order yourself something nice. And when you check out, use the code BEANS, B-E-A-N-S. You'll get 20% off your order and free shipping. And 
If you guys uh, also want to support us, you can buy some uh, Alaskawatch swag at the alaskawatchpodcast.com website. And uh, I really thank you for those of you that support us and uh, enjoy what we do. And, uh, you know, I'm always trying to do better and make better stuff and put out better content. I'm working on it. It's um, some people are, are born for this kind of stuff. I don't think I was, but I also think that um, if I have a little patience and I try really hard, I think I can uh, put out some pretty cool stuff. So anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Happy Halloween. And um, we'll be back with you here pretty soon with some more Alaska stories. Mm-hmm.